0: issue for all women. Welcome to this week's Sunday Chops. Mickey here, hoping you are having a lovely weekend. Me? I've started eating mince pies. Don't at me. This week in the Chops, we're chatting depression because, as we're seemingly constantly told, it's okay to not be okay and it's good to talk. But what do those sound bites really mean and how helpful are they for people dealing with depression? I got on the Zoom with Maddy Dilly, Managing Director of the Blurt Foundation, a brilliant social enterprise dedicated to helping those affected by depression and anxiety. And we chatted stigma, self-stigma, self-care, misconceptions, peer support, and how Dougal can be there for Ted. Now then, as you know, I've been a journalist for about a zillion years. And yet, every now and again, I get out of an interview and think... Bloody hell, Noonan, why didn't you ask that, you dopey sod? With Maddie, the question I very much failed to ask was quite a simple one. What is depression? And it's partly because as someone who was first diagnosed with depression in my late teens, I know all too well, or rather all too unwell, what depression is. And I also know it really doesn't manifest in the same ways for people. And then of course, people cope with those manifestations that are very different, very differently too. I also know depression is a very real illness with very real symptoms. It is not a sign of weakness or something you can snap out of by pulling yourself together. God, I wish. Also, and this is something I think a lot of people struggle to understand, there's not necessarily a trigger for it. There's not always an obvious event or something you can put your finger on and say, that's why I'm depressed. That's where it all stems from. That's why it's happening. It can and does just happen. And symptoms range. They range from lasting feelings of unhappiness and hopelessness to losing interest in the things you used to enjoy and just feeling very tearful. There can be physical symptoms too, such as feeling constantly tired, sleeping badly, having no appetite or sex drive, and, you know, various aches and pains. As for how to deal with it, well, it's not one size fits all, so there's no one size fits all. Some people swear by antidepressants, they've certainly allowed me to feel a bit more stable and able to stand in the past, and some would rather avoid the medical route in favour of trauma-informed approaches such as talking therapy, which I've also used and found helpful when it comes to developing what I call a toolkit for tackling my depression, or even, if I'm lucky, fending it off at the pass. If anything you hear in the podcast makes you think that maybe you should reach out, then please do get in touch with your GP. The sooner you see a doctor, the sooner you can be on the way to recovery, whatever that means for you. And please do check out Out BlurtItOut.org, which has a wealth of information, resources, and people who genuinely give a shit and know what you're going through. You are not alone, as Maddy is about to explain. Hello, I am joined on the Zoom by Maddy Dilly, Managing Director at the Blurt Foundation. Maddy, hello. Hello. Tell us about the gloriously named Blurt, love it, and <laughs> its key aims, please. The Blurt
1: Foundation was originally set up by my mentor, Jane Hardy, back in 2011. So it's been around for a while now, mm. but it's changed quite a lot in that time. So it started off as a mentorship Um, It was sort of pairing people up who needed support with people who could give that support. But it became very clear as the company grew that that just was not a sustainable model. So it moved across into much more of what we do now, which is providing information about depression, anxiety, mental health, but in a way where there's a lot more nuances to it we understand we all come from a place of lived experience mm-hmm. everybody who works for black does so because we have experienced depression either ourselves our loved ones normally both mm-hmm. and we want to make a difference so we can talk about depression in a way where people just get it they they read our stuff and they say Yes, absolutely. That's just what it's like. And nobody's ever put it in those words before. I thought I was the only person to feel that way. Just knowing that you're not, knowing that there's somebody else out there and normally many, many people out there going through the same thing can help so much. Mm
0: -hmm, Definitely.
1: Really, our big focus is on self-care that's our, our really big push is we know how important it is to look after ourselves and once we start looking after ourselves then the rest can start to fit into place.
0: Absolutely you've mentioned it there so I think it's really important to note that depression and anxiety quite often go hand in hand but are also separate beasts so you can suffer with anxiety issues and be depressed or you can be one of them on their own or sometimes they get together and have a little party in your head full of bees so yeah they're they're not necessarily linked but they quite often are linked aren't they
1: yeah we've got a lot of articles on the website dealing with the nuances of both so there's a lot about depression what it feels like the same with anxiety and the connections between the two we do a lot about the physical side effects of both because a lot of people really do think, well, it's all in my head. But actually, when you start reading about it and you realise just the the physical toll that having an illness like depression or anxiety can have on our body, a lot of people just don't realise. And it's it can be really refreshing, both for the person who's going through it, but also for their loved ones. It gives them a chance to really understand what somebody they know is going through and sometimes reading it from an outside perspective can be really helpful in that
0: i couldn't agree more and i think what blurt does brilliantly is a whole lot of resources that are useful for someone who's going through it or for someone who wants to help someone close to them who is dealing with depression practicality wise you are just full of information on all aspects of depression and anxiety aren't you
1: Thank you. And that's what we aim for. So it's lovely to hear from an outside perspective that that is what we're doing and we're doing it well.
0: Mm-hmm. Definitely. And I'm sort of an inside perspective as well, because there is a lot of focus, as you mentioned, on peer support, which as someone who has suffered with depression for most of my life, I think is so, so important. Because even when they have the very best of intentions, people who haven't experienced depression don't tend to get it. They don't tend to understand it. And, you know, partly fair enough because it's not one size fits all. It comes in all different shapes, sizes and terminology. I refer to mine as my black dog or like I can feel like I'm falling into the hole. There's lots of things I have like got in my toolkit now to deal with it and to recognise it. But that doesn't mean that that will work for someone else who is going through it in fact you know me like chucking myself into exercise great but sometimes even I don't have the ability to make myself exercise and for someone else like a pal of mine if I said why don't you go for a run she would quite rightly punch me in the face and she's not a violent woman but (laughs) because it is so different I absolutely agree I'm disabled I'm
1: physically disabled so exercise is something that's really difficult for me I can't necessarily use the, the tools that the doctors would mm. automatically. You know, if you pop to the doctors and you say that you're feeling down, they will tell you to get fresh air, to get some exercise, to make
0: sure you're sleeping better. But for some people, it really isn't that straightforward. I think the days of popping to the doctors are way behind us, Maddie. I've got to say. Well, that's true. <laughs> I, yes, yeah. I, I'm not quite sure I said that because I can't remember the last time I popped to the doctors at all. I think it's just a dream. You're allowed to dream. I'm, I support that dream. That's that's very true. It's kind of weird, though, as a society, that we don't understand it better because it affects around three hundred million people worldwide. What are the biggest misconceptions around depression? There are so many that I could talk for hours and
1: hours, uh, and I still wouldn't, I wouldn't scratch the surface. Mm. Um, people feel like it's their own fault that they have depression. They don't realise that it really is a medical condition we understand enough to know that there are chemicals in the brain very much in play there is still a lot more research that that needs to be done there is a lot of misconceptions around antidepressants and the wording of happy pills Mm -hmm. when that's the last thing they are they make you feel level they certainly don't make you feel happy
0: potentially stability pills I don't know
1: <laughs> stability pills is a good a good word for it actually I like that <laughs> I think a big part of it is just not realizing how many people suffer from depression and anxiety and various other areas of mental ill health I can remember when I was 17 and I was first diagnosed with depression I was sat in a pub with a group of friends we were sat talking and I mentioned that I'd just been prescribed antidepressants and I've always been very, very open about discussing my condition. Mm -hmm. Probably from growing up, I grew up with a mother who had very severe depression and didn't talk about it. She talked to us about it, but she never talked about it outside the home and I saw the negative effects that that had on her illness and I was determined that I wouldn't go down the same route. So I brought up the fact that I was on antidepressants and suddenly everybody started talking about their own experiences and there were groups of best friends there who had no idea that they were on antidepressants Mm -hmm. and their best friend was and they'd never discussed it and I see that time and time again now that people just don't want to talk about it and I can understand that it's such a personal thing but at the same time it means that we feel so alone in what we're going through when we're surrounded by people feeling exactly the same way as us.
0: And it's exhausting, right? Because depression itself is energy sapping. It's so exhausting. You know, it can feel way too much to even just get out of bed, to have a wash, to brush your teeth, or just feels like stuff that you're not necessarily worthy of when you're in a particularly dark place. So actually adding the layer on there of trying to hide it, because there are still a lot of people out there who would rather their arm fell off than admit that they have got depression that they don't feel right and yet you're just adding another layer of something that is going to make you feel knackered
1: absolutely absolutely it it really is exhausting and you're then trying to not just hide the fact you have the, the illness you're trying to hide the fact that you maybe haven't washed that morning or that you're not eating properly or that you're not preparing food that you haven't cleaned your teeth It just all becomes too much. There's no way any one human can deal with all that on our own.
0: And I think a lot of people still equate self-care with self-indulgence when they are totally different. It's something I tell people
1: repeatedly. Self-care is not selfish. It's about looking after ourselves. Mm -hmm. We have to be able to look after ourselves before we can look after anybody else. The description I always use is you you can't pour from an empty cup we can't give any of ourselves to anyone or anything else whatever else we want to be doing who we want to be helping unless we've topped ourselves up mm-hmm. once we do that and we're looking after ourselves in a good way in a proper way then we can start to do the things that make us happy and that bring joy to our lives self-care is just about keeping us level. A lot of people still think of self-care as bubble baths and face
0: masks. Get yourself a Gwyneth Paltrow vagina candle, you'll be (laughs) reached. Absolutely.
1: (laughs) But there really is so much more to it than that. It's about making sure that you're drinking enough water during the day. Mm. It's about making sure that if you've got toothache that you phone a dentist. It really can be the most basic, basic things. And yet often when we are so exhausted from depression, anxiety, we can't bring ourselves to do those things as well. Yeah. And understandably so. So if we've got the tools in our toolbox to help us start to take those steps, and that really can make a difference. And it's one of the things that we do at Blur. So we have a subscription box called a Buddy Box They can be either bought as a one-off or there's a rolling monthly subscription. And everything in there is handpicked to help you with self-care and smiles. We make a lot of our own products. One of my, uh, my colleague Imogen, who is the creative director, now at Blurts, she creates the most amazing illustrations and she makes wonderful little note cards that help to remind you to drink enough that help you with your your stress bucket so helping to make sure that we are not filling ourselves up with things that are stressing us out but Mm -hmm. providing holes in that bucket which are the little acts of self-care which help that stress to alleviate and to run away and we've got lots and lots of free downloads available on our website too which again are all about just helping us with self-care and helping us through those basics
0: It's nudging ourselves to remember that we need to be a friend to us as well as to everyone else Absolutely I think people find that hard anyway but when you're in the depths of depression it feels impossible because quite a familiar feeling for people who suffer from depression is not feeling worthy of love and not feeling worthy of care and not feeling worthy of attention. Exactly and what I always say to people when
1: they are feeling that way is think about if your best friend came to you and said exactly what you're thinking. What would you say to them? Because I'm pretty sure you wouldn't tell them to pull themselves together, to get a grip. All the things that we tell ourselves every day, you wouldn't say it to your enemy most of the time, let alone to your best friend. But we, uh, we really do need to just be thinking about being kind to ourselves. It's become such an alien concept mm. to be kind to ourselves. And it shouldn't be. No, Why me. shouldn't we be nice to ourselves? When we actually stop and look at it, what are we doing to ourselves and is that helping us? Mm -hmm. Because if we're constantly criticising ourselves, we're not feeling better from that. We know we're not feeling better from that. So sometimes you have to take a step back and say, this might be difficult, but let's try something new. Let's try something different. And it really can make all the difference. We ran a campaign quite a few years ago now called the 365 Days of Self-Care. So it was a hashtag. We had a book that Jane Hardy, who was the CEO of the Black Foundation at the time, she wrote a book about it as well. And the whole point was that we do one nice thing for ourselves every day. And we make a note of that. We hashtag it. We put it on Twitter so that we can hold ourselves accountable. And there are still people doing that today who are now on day 1,400 and something Uh of self-care and it's beautiful to see because people really did notice a difference when they just made themselves do one nice thing Mm -hmm. for themselves whether it was to get their favorite chocolate bar or whether it was again the simple things of just making sure they were drinking enough or getting outside and sitting in the garden for half an hour to get some fresh air
0: my friends who know me very well would know that I was maybe worried about slipping because I would do the hashtag 100 happy days and that's when you take a photograph of something that's made you smile and you know quite often it was my cats but you know every day noticing that even in the real grips of the black dog when it was leading me rather than me having control of it that I was smiling at something makes a real difference it just changes the way you're looking at the world just just even slightly and that can be so helpful
1: Absolutely. And that's something when you asked earlier about what the misconceptions about depression are, that really is one of them that a lot of people think, well, if you've got depression, you are miserable all the time that you never smile, that you're always unhappy. And therefore, people who are diagnosed with depression start to feel like they can't smile. Mm. There are so many more nuances to us as humans than that. And just because we have a few good moments through the day where we're smiling and things make us happy, it doesn't mean that our diagnosis is incorrect. It doesn't mean that we don't have depression and that we are a fraud which is unfortunately how so many people are are made to feel Mm. that because they've had a good day because they've been able to get out and they've smiled and they've spent time with friends and they've giggled in the pub that oh well I'm, I'm better now and I can't go back to the doctor and I can't reach out for help and that's not how it is at all we can have the most severe depression we can feel awful we can spend almost every day in bed But the thing is, the days when people see us are the days when we've been able to pull ourselves out of bed, when we are having a slightly better day. And sometimes it really is just about, you know, putting that mask on and and going out and facing the world. To do that, you have to be able to put a smile on your face sometimes.
0: Oh, totally. Who'd have thought it? Humans are complicated. Oh, surprise. I know. what a surprise. when I've chatted to pals who are wanting to support a family member or a friend with depression and in some cases that's someone who hasn't even openly acknowledged they are depressed but you know signs have been spotted because like I said earlier some people would rather like chop their arm off Mm -hmm. there can definitely be frustration alongside that worry and that desire to help let's say and these are people that I'm very much making up Dougal is worried that Ted is depressed, but very frustrated that Ted won't go for a walk or do some exercise or read a book because Dougal has read all of these things are helpful for someone with depression. And then the frustration starts, well, they won't help themselves. What would you say to Dougal? It really is difficult. And I've been there. I've been on both sides of it.
1: I've been in Ted's shoes. I've also been in Dougal's shoes. Mm -hmm. I've felt the same way where It can be really difficult to get through to somebody with depression. And I think one of the things that I always tell people who are trying to support somebody with mental health is first and foremost, they need to be looking after themselves. Self-care is important to all of us. I think all you can really do is be there, be a listening ear and be there when they are ready to talk about how they're feeling. Keep checking in it's always important to keep just reminding people that you're there one of the things that people often find when they suffer from depression is that they will close themselves away they won't feel able to go out so they will find themselves turning down um invites to go to the pub to meet up with friends to go for dinner and after a while those invites stop coming mm-hmm. And then that becomes a self fulfilling prophecy. You don't feel you're worthy of going out with these people so you don't and now they're not inviting you yeah. so of course you're not you're, you're obviously not worthy. they don't even want you there mm-hmm. and it's not that it's just that you've said no the last ten times they've asked you, but just keep asking, sucking in, just keep reminding them that you are there. If things become really serious, then you can reach out for professional support. But most of the time, it is just a case of being a friend. And even if they never open up to you, you being there and you providing that support will have made a difference. It will have got through somewhere along the line it takes a lot of time for people to be able to open up and to to realise what they're going through, especially the first time you get a diagnosis. It can be terrifying. Yeah, The problem is we always hear the worst-case scenarios, so we, we hear about when people are really, really unwell. But if you get help early, if you can get to the doctors, whether that's for medication or whether it's for talking therapy or whether it's just a check-in, and say look this is how I'm feeling I don't need anything at the moment but I just want it on the record so that if things go downhill in the future I can come back it's all helpful it just means that we are checking in with ourselves and making sure that we're looking after ourselves.
0: I would also say to Dougal and this comes from my experience good messages that I've received are no need to reply just sending love and also absolutely how are you today which is a much more closed question than how are you because you know I remember saying to one of my pals I'm like you're going to get the same answer and it's shit and then I feel shit Mm -hmm. that I'm saying that to you all the time how are you today it's so much easier to deal with when you're finding everything hard to deal with
1: it is and also we are as humans so many of us are so quick to just answer fine. Hmm. You know, how are you? I'm fine. But yeah, I'm not fine at all. I've had an awful day. I haven't slept for days. I've been in pain. I can't do anything. I can't even make myself a cup of coffee. But well, as soon as a friend asks, "How are you?" I'm fine. And as you say, just having those slight nuances and how we ask the questions can really make a difference because it makes us check in with ourselves
0: definitely you keep using the word nuance i'm a big fan i'm hoping it catches on (laughs) (laughs) so blur encourages dialogue we've just been talking about the encouragement of dialogue around depression and i think we're a bit bombarded these days like to the point of bombardment with it's okay not to be okay and it's Mm -hmm. good to talk sort of sound bites but i will say it's not always possible to talk or explain or even understand how you're feeling when you are in the grips of depression what can blur offer then when we first started
1: there really wasn't anything out there people weren't talking about depression and that is why jane set blurt up in the way that she did Mm -hmm. because she realized that there was nowhere to talk openly about your depression and when she was unwell herself she was going through a severe stage in in her depression and reaching out and having a community online really helped her so she wanted to provide that for other people Mm -hmm. as you say the world has moved on. The internet has moved on, and there are lots of sound bites and there are lots of snippets, but they're not always very helpful because, well, what does it actually mean? You know, it it sounds lovely, but when you go back to work, when you go back to the office, when you go back home, how do you implore that into your life? How do you you make that part of who you are? now what we try to do is the articles that we've written are written from the perspective of somebody with depression with anxiety with mental health and they really go into detail of what we can do to help ourselves we're not professionals we don't claim to be professionals and we will always advise that you reach out and speak to professionals yourself However, what we can do is let people know what's helped us and let people know what's available. We have so much information on the website. So if there's a particular area, for example, we wrote a blog quite a number of years ago about people having anxiety answering the phone. And... Mm. The outpouring of people, the the response to it was phenomenal. With people saying, I thought I was the only person who hated making phone calls. I thought I was the only person going through that. I do this
0: for a job and I never answer my phone. (laughs) Don't phone me. Just don't phone me.
1: I'm exactly the same. I'm managing director for quite a large company and I'm terrified of my phone. It scares me.
0: I leave mine somewhere in a room and ignore it for hours on end. Yes,
1: yes, absolutely. And I always have it on on mute, so I don't have to worry about it. Yeah. (laughs) Once we start to realize that we're not alone and these things aren't scary things, they aren't things that make us weird or freaky. They just make us human. And that can really make a difference. And just being able to go through the information that is available to find the things that work for you, because as you said different things work for different people we we are all so individual and what works for me won't work for you but there are so many different things available we also as i said have so many free downloads and we're adding new new ones all the time and they are all available to everybody they are all free and there's lots of really useful things in there that will
0: help people so maddie where can people find out more about blurt Our website is blurtitout.org. We
1: are on Facebook, um, search for the Blurt Foundation. We're on Twitter, we're on Instagram. Just come and find us. One of our big things in Blurt is nobody is left unheard. We try to respond to everybody. If you send us an email, we will respond to you. We will respond to you if you comment on one of our Facebook posts or if you comment on tag us on Twitter. We will always try and get back to you because we know what it's like to feel like you're there on your own and there's nobody listening. And we want to let people know that we are listening. We're there. We're holding your hand and we'll get through it together.
0: A big thank you to Naomi, who also works for Blurt, who reached out to me when she heard on the podcast that one of my best friends had taken her own life and clearly knew that I was very sad. And she pointed me in Blurt's direction. It's an incredible set of resources and an incredible community. And I really wish I'd known about it a lot sooner when I was much more prone to depression. It, it, you know, I would absolutely advise anyone who's worried about someone or is feeling that the black dog is like tickling around the edges to go and check it out. And just, yeah, it's just not feeling like you're on your own with this is so important. And maybe we'll just give you the impetus to do some self care, even if that's just turning all the notifications off on your phone.
1: Yes. And that, that really is a big one. Social media today can be a help and it can also be a hindrance. And we do have a lot of advice available on how, to make social media work for you rather than social media running our lives which happens to so many of us now.
0: Yeah totally it can feel like another job and it, it really doesn't need to be like that at all. Maddie, thank you so much for chatting with me today. You're very welcome it's lovely to be able to share. and an issue for all women.